As a child, you are innocent, curious, and ready to discover the world. When I was five years old, I sat in my teacher, Miss Kinnear's kindergarten class. It was the 80s. Reagan was president. Michael Jackson was everybody's favorite artist. And MTV and CNN were less than 10 years old. I befriended a girl named Donna. Donna, her best friend and my friend, would all play in our school's yard every day. It was appointment recess. After two enjoyable years at Catholic school, my parents and I moved away. I remember being quite sad to move away from my recess buddies. Over the years, I wondered what happened to them. What did they do for a living? How did they look? Did they move away from St. Thomas too? Those questions were miraculously answered one day through the magic of Facebook. To my surprise, Donna remembered me too. We talked and caught up. After all, we had missed a few decades. When you are five years old, you have no idea what the world has to offer or what obstacles are lined up for you. You have no idea what your kindergarten friends will become or who they will become. Are they bad people or are they okay people? My recess buddy Donna became a phenomenal person. She is fabulous. Donna is a former teacher turned blogger, stylist, and lifestyle coach, and is a burst of energy. With every sentence, Donna effortlessly drops gems to help you live your best life and be, as she loves to say, extraordinary. Like all of us, she has overcome challenges and has attained heights. However, she's not finished. Here now is the story, thus far, of the fabulous Donna Hendricks. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30. She's an entrepreneur, an educator, a stylist, and a whole lot more. Donna Hendricks, welcome to Planet 30. Thank you so much. What an introduction. I mean, you just... I'm honored. (laughs) Well-deserved, well-deserved. So, full disclosure, Donna and I went to kindergarten together. (laughs) (laughs) Kindergarten in first grade on the lovely island of St. Thomas. (laughs) Yes, we did. We sure did. And what an honor to be reconnected with you, Kristen. I mean, likewise, likewise. It's been a long time. I won't say how long, but it's been a long time. (laughs) (laughs) What do you remember uh, about growing up (laughs) in St. Thomas? Oh, goodness. So I remember so much about growing up in St. Thomas. I stayed on the island until I was 17. And the best part was really the sense of community. Um, I have a really large family and spending time with my cousins and you always just felt like you had a true support system. It was hot. (laughs) Um, I remember the electricity going out and you had to ration your water and, you know, things like that. But really just love. Love is what the takeaway is for me from my childhood. Were Were you always this confident? That's a really good question, Kristen. So, For some reason, I was always confident. I don't know that I was always this confident, but I always had a level of 
self, sense of self, high level of self-worth. And I really attribute that to my father. I feel like my father literally handed it to me and gifted it to me and it never left me. Of course, there were times in my life and still times in my life when I don't feel as confident as, you know, others. But for the most part, I feel like I know who I am. I felt like I've always known who I was. And something that always scared me was that I always knew what I wanted. Ah, and so growing up, what is what is the that that you wanted? <laughs> I always wanted to be free and to be me. I feel like um, that is the common thread behind everything that I pursue. Um, I remember just being an educator in class, you know, teaching students. I would tell them, I would always um, thank them for allowing me to be myself in front of them because that was the best part of teaching for me. Mm. So Donna, what was your dream as a child in terms of a dream job? Yeah, so I always wanted to be a teacher. So that was really my dream job. And I posted something on Facebook recently. Um, It said something like, I don't play games, right? And then my comment um, was that the only games that I played growing up was house and school. And I said, it turns out that it wasn't even a game. I was manifesting because everything that I said I wanted to become and do, either I did it or I'm on the road to actually doing it. When you, you said yeah. you, you moved up here uh, to the United States at the age of 17, I was I like asking this question, but did you experience any culture shock? Oh, gosh. We could talk all day about culture shock, actually. <laughs> So what happened was I moved to Long Island, New York, um, and Long Island, the part of Long Island that I moved to is predominantly white, and the school that I went to was a small private school um, on one of Vanderbilt estates, and in that area, I found that there was a mix on campus as far as students who um, lived on campus were inner city um, students or maybe, um, and then white students, right? right? So Italian and white students. And then there was me, my roommate, who was also from St. Thomas, and then um, a few other, you know, Caribbean PE, um, students. And so really, we were the minority. And I feel like I didn't really connect with either the white students, the Italian students, or the inner city um, black students who are on campus. And so everything was a culture shock. <laughs> you know, I didn't know anything about snow. I didn't know that you couldn't walk on people's lawns. <laughs> I didn't know <laughs> that the sun didn't shine for days. I didn't know that when I walk across campus and it's freezing, that my thighs would get wind, you know, like um, frostbitten almost. <laughs> so there was so much culture shock. And it was like I was on this accelerated path to to learning everything I needed to know about, you know, four seasons, <laughs> because growing up on an island, we didn't have that. Yeah, yeah. What was the moment? I know I know you said you, you kind of always um, had the dream as a child, but what was that moment that you really said, all right, teaching is for me? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, Kristen, because I had that dream Um, But I didn't have a connection. So when I moved to college, you know, that was my major. It was education and psychology. I also always knew that I either wanted to have a 
PhD in psychology or do something with counseling or therapy. So I knew that as well. But I knew I wanted to teach first. However, when I got into the teaching program, and it was a great program, however, I, I did not connect with it. And I found it extremely difficult. I was 17, 18 years old, and it was just like gibberish to me. And because I was culture shocked on Long Island, so that was a good question before, I left that school simply because the environment just did nothing for me. There were no vibes, as you say, in the islands, okay? <laughs> and I left there and I came over here to New Jersey, which at the time and the part where I came to was a little bit more diverse and I needed that. And so when I went back to school the second time around, that's when I really connected with education because I had had some life experience and that helped me to connect with my role and how the type of teacher that I would be. So Donna, what did you enjoy most about teaching? Oh, I loved a lot of things about teaching. Um, the, I think I really enjoyed interacting with students and helping them to see their best self. So empowering them is what I really enjoyed. And I realized after a while that I didn't just enjoy empowering students with knowledge. I enjoyed also empowering them to see their best selves and, you know, with character building and outside of the classroom. So even though I was a classroom teacher, really I felt like the best work that I did was outside of the classroom with the students. I volunteered a lot. Um, you know, at some point, myself and another educator, one of my colleagues and friends, we started a diversity club um, at the school and we poured into those students and did so much. And I, that's the work I love to do outside of the classroom, connecting with, with anybody, but especially, you know, with students. It's, it's awesome. It's a great feeling. Wonderful. What do you think your, your biggest lesson was, or what did you learn from your time as a teacher? Hmm. So much. I had, I had a really dynamic experience. So I want to kind of rewind a little bit to share with you on the audience that I started teaching when I was 33, um, so, you know, I wasn't a 22, 21-year-old fresh out of college um, as a teacher. I was fresh out of college, but I was 33. Um, I was already a mom, and I had a lot of life experience. And so when I started teaching, I started teaching in February. I took over a class. And if you know anything about teaching, it's extremely difficult to even start in September, much less take over a class that was already in motion. Um, what grade was, know, what, what grade students, was this? That was seventh grade. Oh, and that's wow. another challenge on top oh, of wow. that. So it was middle school. I started in February. <laughs> um, Who are you? Yeah. And my first time teaching. <laughs> oh, man. So truly, it felt like a God-ordained experience. I felt like, honestly, I this was something I was called to do. And the timing felt, um, like, really divine. So it was extremely challenging. So because of that, I really learned a lot about myself because I had to really figure it out. It was showtime. I had to prove, in my mind, right, I felt like I had to prove that I can do this, that um, I, I had to be extra. I was extraordinary, 
And I just learned really that everything that I thought about myself, I really do believe it. I think that's what I learned at that moment. I believe that I was confident and I felt that way. I believe that I was capable of learning anything and, and um, shining under any circumstance and it happened. I believe that I um, was professional and I could work with people of all walks of life and stages and phases and I did that. So I felt like it was a really defining moment for me that everything that I felt about myself was on full display and, and I, I made, I did myself proud. Wonderful. That's an awesome, awesome, um, awesome experience. Thank it you. Seems. Awesome. Experience. Yeah, it it was. Did you did you learn anything? You know, or is there anything memorable that you would have learned from your students specifically? Yeah, I really learned from my students that uh, so much. So one time, um, this young lady asked me. She said, "Well, do you have any talents, or you know, like a craft?" or anything that you do because, you know, for a lot of the students, they enjoy drawing and, you know, things that unfortunately aren't on display in a traditional classroom, right? Until maybe you get to your specials and you have art and you have physette and, you know, you get to shine. And I said, honestly, for me, and I had to tell her, I said, not really. I said, and in that moment, I learned from her, I learned from her that she valued, what she valued and that students really are looking for ways to highlight the best parts of who they are. Right. And I feel like that was just such a life lesson because we're all seeking to do that. You know, we have to unfortunately, not fortunately, but I guess fortunately go through, you know, all the other motions and learn all the other things about ourselves to, to become fully developed. But we're all on this journey to be in a position to highlight and showcase the best of who we are. And, and in seventh grade, you know, it starts so young that that really was um, a highlight to me. Indeed, indeed. In your bio, it says that you left teaching to pursue other passions. What are your passions? Ooh, so passions. That's a passions with like a triple S at the end. Oh, wow. So Donna Hendricks has many areas um, that I feel passionate about. They all fall under the umbrella of helping others reach their highest potential. And I use my skill set um, of what I feel that I'm good at to help other people achieve that. So for me, being a therapist, I think I shared earlier that um, I've always been um, uh you know, connected to the helping profession of counseling, therapy, psychology. And so that's something I'm pursuing. I'm getting um, getting a master's in marriage and family therapy. I also really believe in style and having a sense of style and having your style also enhance your confidence. So I offer wardrobe styling services. That's something that I wanted to do. And it's not that I couldn't do any of these things as an, as an educator because there are amazing educators who are multi-talented, multi-faceted, do so many things on top of their quote-unquote nine-to-five, which education is not, teaching is not. But I, I personally, because of I give my all to everything, and it's, a, it's really a job that doesn't stop. So it was hard for me to turn it on and off to pursue other things. So for me, I needed to release it 
so that I can move on and further develop the other parts of Donna and pour into people from a different way, in a different way. Understood. Understood. You are very passionate. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Here's a that, big. That's one of my oh, qualities ahead. that I enjoy about myself. Yeah, go ahead. Here's a big question. I think you're gonna like this question. Define <laughs> extra is my ordinary. Oh yeah. Okay. So that that comes easy, and it's so interesting that now it comes easy because Crispin, I tell you, when I was seeking a name for my blog and my platform, I have a whole list <laughs> of names. And either they were taken or it just didn't fit. And I really had to come to the point where, you know what? My blog and and this platform is my brand. And my brand is me. Mm -hmm. And who is Donna? Mm -hmm. Right? And truly, people have always been telling me, Donna, you're extra. And I know this to be true. They They weren't saying anything that wasn't true. Um, sometimes people say it in judgment. Sometimes people say it as, you know, really matter of fact. And what they were saying is that I do things in a way, you know, I guess in the moments when they say it, that is out of the ordinary. And I had to embrace that about myself because I do do things that are not common um, to, I guess, people who I'm surrounded with. You know, when people say, find your tribe. So, yes, I have friends and I have family, but it doesn't mean that they're like me, right? So, to even my friends and family, I stick out, you know? I, I'm a, not a sore thumb, I'm a beautiful thumb, but, but really, and I have to say, you know what? Extra is my ordinary. Like, it's something that I cannot turn off. <laughs> it's who I am. And I realized also, and I didn't realize how much I was like my father until after he passed. I knew I was like him, and he knew that I was like him. But really, I just made that deeper connection um, to this part of me. My father was extra as well. And so much about who I am, um, really, he was about that too. So just loving the finer things of life, really wanting excellence in every area, um, seeking to help people um, on a deeper level, really just, you know, a simple, even my husband, he says, you can't just pull your hair back in a ponytail. Like he said, nothing <laughs> you do is like regular. He's like, you need a pot and then you need to flick it down. And to the side. you know, it's just nothing that I did seemed like it was just an ordinary thing um, to other people. And, and I don't know why, and you know, obviously God made me this way, but it's just, it's something that I embraced and, it fits extra is my ordinary. And then I also connected that to being extraordinary to play on that word, because I believe that everybody is extraordinary when we're functioning and vibrating on that frequency. So if you, if you're um, a basketball player, right, you may not like in an English class, right, perhaps, or in some other academic setting, you may not shine. So nobody might think you're extra. But when you go on that basketball court, they're going to say, what? He's extra. He's extraordinary. So we all have at least one aspect of us that is extraordinary. And I I encourage people to embrace that and and hold it up. Bring it out. Bring it forth. So important to embrace and accept your gift. Very, Mm -hmm. very important point. Um, And many people have 
trouble with that. Well, luckily they have Donna to to guide them. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully, yeah. It is, it's a hard thing, especially when, I know for me too, criticism comes, you know, when you have a gift, uh, you know, unfortunately the opposite comes to a lot of criticism comes. I know that I used to get in trouble on at least my, my one job that I had, um, before teaching, right? So I used to get pulled in the office, you know, my manager would talk to me and say, I see that you're, you know, on Facebook and you're doing this and you're doing that. And really, and she said, I know that you're multitasking. And Kristen, what I tell you, I am a wicked multitasker. (laughs) Like I can do, I can do successfully like seven things at one time. (laughs) My husband is like still in, in shock and awe. And it, that is a gift. But in that setting, it wasn't appropriate. You know, it just wasn't appropriate that I would be doing several things, not looking, you know, as though I were doing my job. But when I got to become a teacher, I had to know how to multitask because you have to do multiple things at one time. You have to manage all the students in the class at the same time. You have to be mindful of who's emailing you because you're, you know, a principal or somebody could be trying to get your attention. The phone will ring and you have to monitor the class. It's like 10 things in one. Yes. Yes. So the culmination of all this led you to start your, your blog. Um, and it's, I guess it inspired all things inspired you to, to start extras, my ordinary. What are some of the topics that you cover on the blog? Yeah. So on topics on the blog, really, I try to, Two, two things that I feel like I've consistently been bouncing back and forth with is really taking my life experiences and sharing them and sharing them in a way that highlights how they shape me into being the person who I am. And also giving a voice to other extraordinary who I, individuals who I view as being extraordinary and sharing their story as well. Because I do believe that no matter how much I, what I feel about myself, right, there's only so much to me. Of course, I'm growing and evolving, but other people have stories that my audience and my community can absolutely learn and grow from as well that I can never tell. So I never feel like I'm the end-all, be-all, even though it's my platform. So Donna, what are some of the common causes of people's insecurities, in your estimation? Oh, wow. Okay. So that's that's a good question, because insecurities stem from a whole gamut of things. Um, so Donna, without any, you know, training in the, um, you know, in the field of therapy, I used to wonder, and, and it's really something that I wonder why, how, what is the issue? But a lot of it comes from childhood experiences and then that were just unresolved, right? If I had to just put one sentence to it. And then these childhood experiences that were unresolved turn into and we bob and weave their way into every aspect of life. So sometimes, um, you know, like jealousy, I know that's always something that comes up, especially with women. Um, and it's a normal human emotion, but it stems from maybe one, maybe two or more insecurities that you can have. And I think that if um, an individual didn't grow up with a supportive, um, in a supportive household, 
One being if there was an absent parent or an abusive parent, that definitely can um, bring about insecurities. Of course, if, a, if someone was bullied as a child, that brings about insecurities. Um, if for some reason they weren't affirmed in, you know, as being smart, as being beautiful, handsome, or, um, you know, just given positive reinforcement, it, it can bring about an insecurity. Mm-hmm. Indeed. We live in a, a very visual world nowadays. I mean, there's Instagrams, there's the TikToks, you know, Facebook. This you were bombarded with just images and images and images. Do you think that that is creating a generation that is perhaps more insecure? Hmm, that's a really good question. So I think I shared earlier, um, either on the podcast or with you, that my daughter is nineteen, right? So she for sure. Um, has grown up in a world where she's inundated with uh, more visual than I think ever before. And um, I know for me, the rule in my household when she was growing up was that, you know, she wasn't allowed to have social media. And I told her that social media is not for children. I don't think I could get away with that now <laughs> um, because really it, there are so many, um, so many facets within social media and there's a platform for everyone. But I really try to curtail what she intake. I do feel that for everything that's a positive, there's also a negative. So even though there's such a high um, media intake and high visual, I think that it's, it becomes it becomes prevalent that you need to have your your mark on it, right? So that your voice and what you do and your vision of what success, beauty, um, intelligence is, is also added to what's out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What are some of the steps that people uh, can take to to live their best life? Because we know Donna lives her best life. <laughs> Thank you. I do live my best life, and I want to, I want really want to to pick this apart because living your best life is very situational. And what people also need to know is that everything in life is temporary. So I could be living my best life today and that could change tomorrow, right? It doesn't mean that I could never live my best life again. But really, the one thing to get towards living your best life is doing the work. Whatever that work is for you, for, you know, some things are standard, right? Health, we all need to work on that. We need to work on our emotional health, our physical health, our spiritual health, doing that work. Living your best life does not mean that you smile every single day or that you're happy every second of the day. It does mean that you have peace at all times of the day. It does mean that because you have peace, you're able to um, say yes more. You're also able to say no more, and it doesn't bother you. It doesn't move you. You're not shaking. Um, For me, living my best life would be (laughs) incomplete without being to luxuriate. But for some people, that they don't like that. And living their best life would be going to a log cabin and being able to fish all day. So really, it is doing the work and really honoring what your spirit needs. My spirit needs Jesus. My spirit needs luxury. My spirit needs family. My spirit needs, you know, whatever it needs. And I honor that. And that's how I get to it. Awesome, awesome, awesome advice. Now, you do a lot of coaching. 
You help a lot of people. Does helping people ever affect you personally? Hmm. I, I probably can't say a hard no. What I can say is that it affects me personally, um, and I think more so positively, meaning I I get a rush. I love to hear people, see people really um, doing well and feeling extraordinary, and, and that makes me feel good. So, for instance, um, that one of the highlights is when we had went to South Africa and we had an opportunity to implement some... Um, some service on that trip and we um, met with a group of girls in the township and we ran a vision board um, experience and I could have stayed there with them for hours. I'm telling you, I was starving. I was thirsty, (laughs) but I was full and my spirit was such on a high from that experience because even though they weren't um, living their best life, actually these young ladies in that moment, they were so hopeful. They felt blessed. And that in turn made me feel great. Um, when, so that, so therefore, when I'm helping others, I feel excellent. I feel empty when I'm not, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you ever have to, like, unpack when, you, when people come to you with their problems, though? No, actually, I don't. And, you know, so you would never believe, and perhaps people who know me, um, now, so I used to be called like bad names, like heartless and mean, um, because I really do have a have a strength about me where I even would tell people, and I verbally say this quite often, that I don't take on other people's problems. Mm. And when people hear that, it sounds harsh, but. I don't, and I really don't feel like what people do has any bearing on me. It's that's their thing. That's their issue and their problem. I have my own, (laughs) Um, and I don't feel the need to to take it on, and I feel that perhaps it's a gift that I have, that I I can help others without actually absorbing, um, you know, what they are, are sending off and what they're giving away. And actually, I feel that the energy that I put out, you know, I feel like light always drives out darkness. And so the light that I have, I really try to keep my light on so that the darkness doesn't even affect me, to be quite honest. Lovely. I, I mean, I really like that. Um, I like that mentality. Let the light drive the darkness Thank out. Thank you. Yeah. Tell me about a low point. Uh, that you went through and and how were you able to escape because i think a lot of people often have problems with um getting out of that rut yeah yeah so it's really hard so i have had i won't say many low points but the lowest point for me was probably um when i got pregnant and then i realized that okay, you didn't think this through because the person who you got pregnant for is basically a deadbeat dad. The person who you got pregnant for um, has no intentions of marrying you. The person who you got pregnant for um, can't help you, you or your child financially. And therefore, it was a harsh reality that I was, quote unquote, on my own, you know, in the States. By the grace of God, I have a great support system in my family. But again, at the end of the day, it was on me. You know, nobody has resources to raise two other whole human beings, you know. So I had to do what I had to do. And it was really hard for me 
not because it happened, because, you know, there are many single parents and people do what they have to do, but because I knew that I was so much more. And I knew that it happened because of a choice that I made, that it was a poor choice. And I had to live with that. And it really, um, it really hurt my spirit in a way that um, I had never felt before, that it was really you know, kind of me looking at me like, you did this, you know, to a certain extent, you you made this choice. And what I had to do was really fight. I had to dig deep within me and fight for myself and fight for my child. And I had to put myself out to the side and know that it's no longer about me, right? When it was about me, I didn't honor me. So I had to dig into a different place, headspace, soul space, and fight for my child because I knew that every single thing that I did from that moment on truly impacted her directly and immediately. And I had to, I had to do, um, really, um, what's the word? Like, you know, be very rigid with the choices that I made after that. So, you know, I worked two jobs and I went back to school and I even, um, asked my parents to help me raise her. And I sent her back to the Virgin Islands while I stayed in New Jersey and she lived with my parents for three years while I did what I had to do, which was, you know, really work on me and um, develop the mindset that would help me to win no matter what. Um, really coach myself and tell myself that one decision doesn't define me and it never will. Um, I define me. So I had to decide who I wanted to be, who I was. And I re and even to this day, like I don't do anything that doesn't honor who I feel that I am. I feel I'm excellent. I feel I'm exceptional. Um, I am very humble, but at the core of me, that's my core belief. And I believe that, um, you know, developing strong faith really helped me with that because I feel like the creator of the universe says my name. I can't lose. I'm amazing. I'm extraordinary. And I move in that space. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Very deep, very deep. I like <laughs> the way you answer questions. They, call me, they call me Deep Donna. Deep My Donna. Calls me deep Donna. <laughs> Listen, the, the, the way you answer questions that you know, you, I have to sit back and, and, and take it all in before I can even go on to the next question. I, wow. I, I have to absorb <laughs> what she just said. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Now, in terms of high points in people's lives, right? Some people think that they're not deserving of blessings at times, if you if you would mm -hmm. like to term it that way. Um, and then some go overboard. How how should people deal with high points? We we always hear about how people should deal with the low points, but you know how should people deal with the high points? Good question. So I feel like um, you should deal with things the same. To be quite honest, I feel like. In my mind, it's all temporary. The high point is temporary. The low point is temporary. So therefore, I personally embrace them both. I literally, when there comes a struggle or there's, you know, some form of rejection or um, something, I just literally say, thank you, God. That's, and, when, and when I have a high, I say, thank you, God. And I embrace both. Um, I believe that there's something to learn from the good times and the bad times. And I feel that my life would be empty if I was on a high all the time. I wouldn't be able to relate to others if I was on a high all the time. Um, I know that, I like the way you said that, you know, people can struggle with the high times because 
when you feel like you're not deserving. So I read a book that I always reference um, now, Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. And she has a term in there that says foreboding joy, meaning that, you know, sometimes where things are going so good and we're like, okay, wait, so it's going too good. What happened? Something coming. Right, know? right. <laughs> and, and so I actually, I realized that, wow, I, of course I connected with that because I think everyone does that at some point. So I stopped doing that and I don't lean into that and I don't, I just embrace what's happening and I know that it's temporary and it doesn't mean because that, that moment has gone, that everything following it could never measure up. It's just new and it's just different. So I think training your uh, mind. So as an educator, I would always kind of chant to my students, train your brain train your brain to think how you want it to so sometimes students would have a hard time starting you know an assignment it's like train your brain to start immediately the first thing that should be on your paper is your name right so once you start training your brain to really act in a certain way and think in a certain way you can implement it no matter what's going on so donna you inspire a lot of people you have a great following on your blog, on your social media. But who inspires Donna? Well, first of all, thank you. I hope that I inspire a lot of people. <laughs> um, and I do get a lot of, um, you know, good positive feedback. So I'm honored for that. I'm inspired by everybody. Like people have no idea how much they inspire me. I feel very different from a lot of people. Um, and not in a good or bad way, just literally very different. And because of that, I'm able to look at them and learn. Um, I I don't really, people who know me know that I don't really um, idolize, you know, people who I don't know. I don't idolize people, period. But, you know, especially, you know, people who I don't know, like artists and musicians or comedians or any type of creative I really look at people who I know, who I could pick up the phone, who I've had interactions with, and those are the people who really inspire me. I'm inspired by my daughter. I'm inspired by my husband. I'm inspired by my mother. I'm inspired by my friends. They inspire me by the way that they live their life. Um, I'm even inspired by people who don't live the type of life that I, I wouldn't. So for instance, I mentioned my daughter's father. He absolutely inspired me to know that the same, he, he lived, you know, lived a life where he was true to himself. I didn't like the person who he was, but he was true to himself. And he was an example for me, like, wow, if you could put that much energy and get not, you know, live that life and, and have those results, imagine when you turn it on to the other side. So I, I'm able to look at, at people and, really get inspiration um, from many different things that they do. So you inspire me, Kristen. <laughs> you know, oh, I'm inspired by you. Don't make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're uh, welcome. Um, if you could sit and have dinner with any two people, deceased or alive, who would they be and why? Um, has come up before and I'm always left feeling like I never made the right choice <laughs> um, honestly like that is such a big I really think I want to have sit with my great grandmother mm -hmm. I feel like 
I knew her when I was a child, but of course I was so young when she passed away that, you know, I didn't know the woman who she was, but she was a powerhouse of a woman and she was an entrepreneur and her legacy just lives on to this day. And I want to meet her. I want to talk with her. Um, so she would definitely be one person because I always feel that I am a big proponent of knowing who I am. And I feel like she would just enhance how I feel about myself, what I feel about my family and my lineage. The ancestors, the ancestors, always a yes. wonderful choice. Yes. <laughs> now, so who's the next person? So the next person would be, um, hmm. I think I would pick a man. So I definitely would want to sit down with a male who, I don't know. I think, you know, um, Nelson Mandela, I would love to sit down with him. I, I, I think that that would be powerful and life-changing um, on a supernatural level. Uh, just knowing that peace, I think everybody is kind of yearning for that level of peace that he achieved under such incredible circumstances that he could walk out of prison and just forgive everyone. And um, really that's, that's the power of God inside of him that allowed him to do that. And I just felt like I would love to just like, you know, just catch some of that energy <laughs> for myself. Now, Donna, you, you're a fashion buff. Where does your sense of <laughs> style and fashion come from? Cause Donna is never, are you in terms of you being extraordinary in your life, um, from your Instagram to your Facebook, all of your outfits pop off the screen. <laughs> wow. Where does that come from, your, your, your sense of fashion and style? Thank you. Well, well, thank you. I'm going to take that compliment, baby. <laughs> um, so here's the thing, which I would just make a little correction, that to be quite honest, I am a style buff. Really... Fashion has never really been my thing. So when I think of fashion, I think of um, designers like, you know, right. Christian Louboutins and Fendi and Gucci and, um, you know. I sit corrected. <laughs> yeah. So, so, I mean, and people do confuse them all the time, right? But your style is truly what I'm focused on when I really do help to empower other people because that's honoring who you are. And the re for me, the reason why I feel that I have a good sense of style is because I learned who I was. I literally, I know the types of clothing that work for my body because I, I honor my body. I honor the fact that I have a protruding stomach. I honor the fact that I have uh, wider hips. I honor the fact that I have, um, you know, big thighs. I honor the fact of, you know, everything about me. And I don't view it as a negative. Instead, I want to, I seek to accentuate it. So people who inspire me for my style, honestly, I really don't look to anyone to inspire my style. I look at myself and then I seek to accentuate who I am. Mm. How do how do people, in general, both men and women, come to the to come to a place of acceptance with their bodies? Because, again, with so many images thrust at us mm -hmm. every day as to what perfection is, 
How do you truly become body positive? Yeah. So I would say the way that I came to a place um, of accepting my body is when I learned to love who Donna is despite anything. So again, I think I shared earlier that for me, my mindset is that everything is temporary. The fact that I'm overweight is temporary. The fact that if I lose 50 pounds or 100 pounds and become underweight or whatever is temporary. So I don't view it as it doesn't define me. And I also challenge people to see themselves as a soul having a human experience. So no matter... Back up, back up. I like a soul Mm -hmm. having a human experience. Yeah. Gems, gems. Go ahead. And that's how I see myself. So therefore, whether, you know, God blessed me with a 22-inch waist or a 32-inch waist or a 42-inch waist, it's okay. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't define me. It doesn't mean that I don't have worth. It doesn't mean that I can't be beautiful. It does help um, that there is better representation in the media um, for plus size um, individuals on a whole. Um, but I, I was loving myself long before there was representation. And the reason why is, of course, I had reinforcement um, from the time I was a child, which does help me. But even if you don't, at some point, it does become your responsibility to approve yourself, to affirm yourself, to love yourself. And the reason why you can't love yourself is because perhaps you want to be someone that you're not. And I, I love being me. I don't have any desires to be anyone else. So being Donna means that I'm going to be a little bit, you know, chubby or thicker, that I, that's who I want to be. Indeed, indeed. So Donna, I, I know you mentioned that you're a style buff and not a fashion buff, but do you have any favorite designers though at all? Um, I actually don't. I actually don't have any favorite designers. Okay. okay. Um, I really enjoy experimenting, trying out new things, um, and and I move on. So I'm the type of person, if people haven't realized, I know, you know, members of my community know, I love trying new things. I'm not stuck. I don't have a favorite anything. I have a favorite color, and that's it. But one thing I do have... I well, have what is, what is that color? Purple. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I have a favorite color and I have favorite people. I, the people who I love, I love, I'm a people person. So I put all my energy and all of that, you know, favorite this and who inspires me and all of that into literally people. You know, some people say that they're animal lovers and they're animal people. I'm a people person. I love people. Mm-mm-mm-mm. And not, and not things. Very important. I like that approach. Now, I know you don't have, I know you, you just mentioned, you just mentioned that you don't have favorite anythings, but I have to ask you, I know you travel a lot. Well, maybe I should uh-huh. phrase the question like this. What places have touched you? <laughs> oh, exa- I love that. I love the reframe of the question because I was going to have the same answer. I don't have a favorite place, <laughs> but I love the reframe. So you the place you see what I did there? <laughs> Yes, and I I love it. I respect that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, every place touches me in some way. Of course, I'm from the Virgin Islands. That's home. 
that's my favorite place on a deeper, different level, but not because, you know, of any superficialness. That's where my ancestors and my roots are. But other than that, every single place touches me. Um, I went to Dubai, and that place touched me. It, it touched me in a way that um, helped me to learn. So I feel like I'm really addicted to learning and experiences. And every place, every place new comes with that. So therefore, every place touches me. Um, Africa touched me in a way, South Africa touched me in a way that um, it felt like home. Um, it felt so easy. It felt peaceful, but you could still feel the unrest. Um, it, it touched me in a way that left me wanting to know more, to learn more. Italy touched me in a way when I went to the Amalfi Coast. Mm. It touched me in a way, in a beautiful way. It touched me um, in a way that helped me to see. The question that came up was like, wow, how do Italians even eat anything in America? Because the food there was absolutely divine and incredible. You know, so every place really makes an impact on Ghana. And, and that's why I love traveling. Because there's the one thing that it satisfies all my needs. The style needs, the ex- need, yearning for new experiences, the, you know, embracing change, meeting new people. Yeah. What does it mean? What does it mean to live your life unapologetically? Mm. It really means that you don't give up. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's what people think when they hear living life unapologetically. I don't give a F and I don't care. And it's like, honestly, I do care. I care um, maybe not what people think about me personally, but I care what people think. Um, I care enough to love people to help them. Um, Living life unapologetically for me means that I forgive myself on a daily basis. I don't seek to be perfect. Um, I have... Um, boundaries that I honor. I know that what people think about me does not affect me if I don't, if I decide it doesn't. Um, it means that I give myself language to communicate to people. I literally tell people, thank you for sharing that. It means nothing to me. Thank you for sharing that. That has no impact on me. Um, and that's living unapologetically. Unapologetically means that I get to try an uh, outfit that doesn't work take pictures, put them on social media if I want to, and regret doing it later and leave it there because it doesn't define who I am. Living unapologetically means that I really get to make mistakes, learn from them, and not feel shame. That's what it means. Mm, Love it. What's your next big project, Donna Hendricks? Ooh, I've got such projects in the works, so many things. Um, what can I share? Because I usually don't share what I'm working on. Just not, a, just a not hint. Out, yeah, yeah, not out of fear, but because oftentimes <laughs> things that I work on morph so quickly and take on a life of their own that <laughs> what I say today, it, it'll look nothing like that by the time it becomes released. Um, I do have a one-year anniversary coming up for my blog, so I am working on some sort of celebration and perhaps revamping um, of the brand where that's concerned. I have been called to have a 
show on social media um, that I'm looking into. I have been called to start a podcast that is, you know, may or may not be in the works. Um, (laughs) So I have been, there are, there is a retreat that's coming up in the Hamptons that I will be running and facilitating a leadership workshop at that retreat. That's a collaboration between myself and um, Tashika Brewer, who is the founder of Pink Girls Run the World. So I'm really excited about that. And that's on my website. So that's already out there. And then I look forward to collaborating with another um, dynamic queen, Yamilsa Wilbach of Yami Talk. We plan to do a retreat in the Virgin Islands. Mm-hmm. And the retreats are for self-help? or What's the uh, subject matter? Yeah, so the retreat, the, the one in the Hamptons is a leadership retreat and self-care. So a combination, really focusing on our leaders, the fact that, you know, in leadership you have this immense sense of pouring and not always getting poured into. So we want to, um, you know, really cater it towards that. And then the retreat that um, Dr. Yamosa Robach and I are focusing on is a retreat for really self-improvement um and really just again taking your taking control of your life so that you truly are either living your best life on the road to living your best life or creating the blueprint for living your best life absolutely what's the end goal for donna hendrix and what's that ah continuous Always. always yeah there's no end and and i have a saying that i always tell people that i do what my spirit tells me to do meaning that i really try hard to listen to the voice of god within me because ultimately i work on his behalf um and whatever he moves me to do i hope that there's no end i hope that even after i'm long gone that there's still no end and um, so I don't know. I don't. I don't think in terms of end. I think in terms of new. I think in terms of different. I think in terms of building. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Now, Donna, this is a segment of the podcast I like to call "The Planet Is Yours." I strap on my hey. very tight spacesuit and I jump out into outer space and I leave you on the planet all alone. What do you have to say to the audience? Whatever's on your mind, the floor is yours. The floor is mine. Well, thank you so much. Um, I have a lot to say to the audience. I don't know how long I'm going to be on the planet, but (laughs) what I would say, everybody, is truly, truly own who you are. Know that there is no limit. There is no, no one defines who you are. You get to define who you are. And every single thing that you have imagined for yourself is what you should be working towards doing or actually doing. The things that you dream, I don't dream. The things that you desire or want are yours. It doesn't matter how many people are doing it. It doesn't matter how many um, people have done it before. You have your success. And I always tell people that, you know, of course, it seems like, especially with social media and um, what we're exposed to, that everybody's doing the same thing or there's so much going on. It doesn't matter. T.D. Jakes always, T.D. Jakes has a saying that I, um, I, I love to hear him speak. And he said, 
that we have people assigned to us. So when you don't honor what it is that you're supposed to be doing, you stop in the flow. You, you really stop in the flow for other people. So, so many things had to happen for Kristen to start his podcast and then to meet me, to invite me on, you see? And if he never had the podcast, I wouldn't be here. You know, so really don't look at what's happening in your life right now. You have to see beyond it and you have to know that there's purpose in the, in the dreams that are in your heart and in your spirit. I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. How do we contact you, Donna? Contact me. Yes. So the best way to contact me is Donna at extraismyordinary.com. That is email. However, if you go to my website, www.extraismyordinary.com, there is a place that says contact me and I will get right back to you. And your socials? And my social media is, I have two um, IG um, platforms. So at stylishdonna1 and the other one is at extra underscore is underscore my underscore ordinary. I have a Facebook page, which is Extra Is My Ordinary. So multiple ways to get in touch with me. And I, I can't wait to connect with you. For sure, for sure. Donna Hendricks, I cannot thank you enough for joining me here on Planet 30. It was an absolute pleasure. The feeling is so mutual. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. I am honored. I'm so honored. Oh, the honor, the honor and the pleasure is ours. <laughs> this was Planet 30. Thank you all for listening. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30. Thank you for listening to this episode of Planet 30. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at OnPlanet30. Like us on Facebook.com slash Planet30. Our email address is OnPlanet30 at gmail.com. That's O-N-P-L-A-N-E-T-T-H-I-R-T-Y at gmail.com. For more information about Planet 30, visit our website, Planet30.com. That's P-L-A-N-E-T-T-H-I-R-T-Y dot com.